Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble, I bumble like a crack of my Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I am Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting, affectionately referred to as the Mouth of the South. Alongside of me, as always, is Mr. Brent. Hooper of Max Claims hanging out there in Baltimore, Maryland, and we just call him the Beast of the East. And finally, the consistently captivating, the bodaciously beautiful, the one, the only baby cakes, Miss Donna LaBelle. Hi. How are you guys doing today, man? Good. Good, good, good. Bodaciously beautiful. Gets better every week. It's better every week. Well, it's kind of unfortunately. I don't. I look. (laughs) I I look forward every week to how you're going to refer to Donna in our opening. Uh, um, Well, I don't know if the other listeners are doing that, but uh, I had an interesting call today. (gasps) I really did. Yeah. So my phone rings. It's a. It's an eight three two Houston number, and the first thing the guy says is, "You answered the phone." And I said, I, I always answer the phone. You called me. So I answered the phone. He goes, I just never thought you would pick up. And I was like, well, I picked up. He goes, well, hey, I got a, I, I got your number from, uh, from somebody you know down here. And I was just, uh, I had some questions about a claim. And he goes, I, I, I can't believe I'm talking to you. It's, it's, it's crazy that I'm talking to you. And I'm like, it's no big deal. Any of you guys can call me really and truly. Most of you do. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, it was kind of a fun conversation. He had an interior water loss that he was working on as a dishwasher leak, and they were trying to tell him that a transition strip and a threshold were the same thing. So for those of you kids listening at home, a transition strip and a threshold is not the same thing and does not interrupt the continuous flow of a floor. So there's some Do you want to shout out to him? Um, I don't remember his name, or I would shout out to him. I honestly don't remember the guy's name. Guy that called Jeremy this morning. Shout out. Guys, shout out to you. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope that uh, that we're bringing some value to you guys. But uh, who has uh, who is the dearly departed? Donna? Today, well, there's Robert Blake from. Why am I just going blank? Um, he is an actor. Shit. I forgot what, what he was in. Okay, so we we'll don't cut have that any, out. <laughs> so uh, for those of the the ones that didn't make the list this week, a little moment of silence for those people. Well, well, well we have well, we okay. do have Bobby Caldwell. Oh, okay, Bobby Caldwell. Saying, yeah, look him up. I thought he was black till five minutes ago. Like my whole life, I thought the man so was black. Turns out he's not. No, he's he's white, but he's he's. You'd and think he was, if you heard the song, you'd think he was black. I for those of us who are lost, Bobby Caldwell, look him up. Look up the song. I think it's uh what you do for love or something like that okay well i don't know the song either but i'm i'm so glad um, yeah we'll cut all that out yeah i'm i'm trying to <laughs> well, <clears throat> moment of silence for mr starting off good bobby caldwell <laughs> okay nobody was silent but whatever okay <laughs> sorry bobby um we we miss you and uh hope everything is good on your side of existence <laughs> anyway <laughs> Well, um, 
<laughs> it's like the worst ever. Oh my gosh. Poor Bobby Caldwell. I'm so glad <laughs> that uh, man, <laughs> I am not a funeral director. I am a I am a public adjuster. <laughs> And I'm doing a podcast about public adjusting that we are going to get in to the topics. There's going to be three of them that we're going to discuss. It's going to be in three 15-minute rounds. When you hear this sound, you know that the round has begun. And when you hear this sound, you know that the round is over and we're moving on to the next topic. We're going to be talking about sort of just the overview of claim process. I know that seems like that's been beat up a lot, but I'm telling you, we find a lot of really good new habits within exploring the rudiments, guys. And we're going to get in to round one right after this. Military veterans and first responders need our help. Many of them have trouble tr transitioning to civilian work and life, but they can thrive in meaningful and rewarding careers. Veterans Claim Victory is a 501c3 nonprofit helping veterans and first responders transition to civilian work in the insurance claims industry. We can reach many of these heroes and assist in education, training, job placement, and support regardless of the insurance claim career that they choose. For more information, Please, guys, visit VeteransClaimVictory.org. Round one starts now. The interview. Brent, when somebody has a loss, isn't it a good idea to ask the one person that was there or the first person on the scene kind of what <laughs> happened? Don't you think that that might be wise? So... Um, when you walk into a loss, Brent, kind of what are some of your sort of boilerplate questions before you dig into the finer points of what happened here? Well, generally, generally there's question. A lot of questions happen before I get there, right? So I used to, and perhaps that's a little pro tip, you know, um, if the phone rings. I used to be more of the mindset of Johnny on the spot. I want to hop in the car, drive there, get into the loss, get on the roof, get eyes on it. And I, I don't think that's a terrible thing, but um, I think slowing down, slowing down is usually a good idea and slowing down and asking the homeowner to start from the top. In our firm, we call it an intake note. Get a good intake note. And of course, you're eventually going to get out on site and you're going to do all that. But that's where I start. You know, phone rings, first phone call, you know, the who, what, when, who was there, who was first on the scene, when did it happen, how did it happen, why did it happen, what do you think happened? Oh, you weren't there. Is sort of basic as that sounds. It's a skep. It's a skep. It's a step that. Jeez, Louise, it's a step that I definitely, <laughs> I, that I missed a lot <laughs> at the beginning because I just wanted to get out on site. Um, Next I mean, week, we'll be doing three rounds on how to properly communicate with people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounded like a bad, that sounded like a cell phone commercial right there. <laughs> you know, like I had bad service or something. Um. But no, I, right. you know, that, that, that's right. That's a quick, you know, off the top answer that comes to mind. 
you know, get on the phone, get on your Zoom call, however you like to conduct that very initial interaction and get some facts in front of you. Because, you know, what's interesting is by the time you get out there on site, whether it's the same day that week you to do your preliminary on site inspection, it's really interesting to take that initial statement or again, as I call it, an intake call, take this intake call details and juxtapose it with what you see when you're out there. The way that you, right. the way that you approach right. the yeah. loss when you're on site changes when you run an intake call and the intake call to be clear, doesn't need to be three hours long. You know, you can get a lot of information in you know, 10 to 20 minutes. So anyway, that's my initial answer, man. What do you think? What do you, I mean, what sort of, what sort of your, I don't know, what are you doing today that maybe you weren't doing, you know, two years ago? Like, what have you learned over time? Well, well, I, you know, when I first started it, you know, when I first started handling inspections in my head, I honestly thought that I knew what I was doing. That is the biggest thing that I can tell you is that I, and by and large, as it, as, and as it, as it, well, I, I mean, and you, you laugh at that. And the reason that it's funny is because I, you know, I had, I had done lots of inspections before. Of course I know how to do it. Of course I know how to inspect a loss, but it's so, cause so you go in there and as an IA, we weren't really, I mean, we were really discouraged from talking to the homeowner outside of good customer, um, you know, good customer service, communication skills. Hi, my name's Jeremy. I'm going to be conducting the investigation for the insurance uh, for the uh, for your insurance carrier. Or I am with State Farm Insurance or I'm with UPC Insurance. I'm with this person and we're going to come out and inspect your loss. You know what I mean? And so you show up, you knock on the door and you kind of just tell them what you're there to do. And I, and I walk them through it. And even as an IA, you know, lots of homeowners had lots of questions and that's not really what I, but, and so I would either direct them to the desk adjuster with those questions. And I had a, I had no problem handling them. And so I thought it was going to be kind of the same thing when I became a public adjuster, you know, it's like, I had a good working idea of how the, how the claims process worked. I could tell them, you know, how the carrier was going to respond from their perspective. I could, I, I had a lot of information. The problem was, is that I was relying on the information I had rather than the information I needed to get. And so I think that that's one of the biggest differences about being a public adjuster. When you, If you cross over from the IA world, you're the guy that's going to be there to answer questions. Whereas if you're a public adjuster, you need to walk in with a litany of questions, you know, whether it's, you know, even repeating some of the questions that you had in the intake call, those are all great questions. Just depends on how you set your workflow up. But one of my biggest ones, you know, that I learned to ask is, why do you believe you need to file an insurance claim? What got you here? You know, and getting the answer from that question is often really important because I it, living here in North Texas, uh, that answer is, well, I had a roofer knock on my door and tell me that I had percent of the time that I had roof damage. Now, that very well may be true. Right. But they were completely unaware of the loss and probably up to this point, many times haven't even viewed the damage 
that there, that has been done to their house, what that damage means, what the what the ramifications of not addressing that damage are, and in fact, even it being properly identified as the damage of the peril that they're being told that they've experienced. So that is one of my big ones: is how did you get here? What made you think this? You know what I'm saying? And finding out how they got the information. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes great sense. Mm-hmm. It makes great sense. Um, I mean, how did we get here? And again, depending on the claim and, you know, context is key, but it makes great sense. Like a lot of the calls that we get, generally the calls that we get, something's in dispute, you know. And so to your point, Jeremy, one of the questions that I generally ask is what led you to believe that you're not getting enough for your claim, right? You're under the impression that, and it's it's very, like, it sounds so basic. It sounds so dumb and it's not very sophisticated, but the answer, in my opinion, is important. You filed a claim. Your carriage, your carriage. I can't talk this evening. Your carrier paid something, (laughs) you know, your carrier paid something. You're not happy about it, but why, why? And it's not a loaded question. You know, are you, are you a contractor by day and you're sitting here looking at this scope? Cause Hey, if my client or my prospective client's a contractor, that's good information. Did you hire a contractor and the contractor's estimates way out of whack? Okay, that tells me uh, pieces of information. Like there's a contractor involved. They've been on site. I want to know who that contractor is. Like, so when, when, when there's something, you know, a discrepancy, asking why or how did you arrive at the conclusion that it's not enough, again, back to your point, is, you know, it's really informative, um, you know. The alternative is, or excuse me, not the alternative, but, or you ask like, Hey, how'd you, how'd you arrive at that? Or what makes you think the carriers, um, you know, not paying enough. I've had homeowners flat out say, it just doesn't seem right. You know, they're not a hundred percent sure. They're not really Most going of the off. Of, say that again. Sorry. They're, they're- they're going off of information that was given to them. And most of the time they haven't even seen the damage. They don't even know what it looks like. They're just telling you what the roofer or whoever told them. Right. And they're, and, and I guess with that being said, sometimes it's just intuition for them, you know, well, I know my kitchen's all damaged and they gave me 5,000 bucks and we replaced our cabinets, you know, three years ago and they were $30,000. So I'm sitting here going, something isn't right. You know what I mean? So anyway, without getting into the weeds, it's just that. that yeah. They're drawn from experience. Right. Like, knowledge. you know, it's not, it's not always the contractor or it's not always, you know, it, sometimes they had a family member look at their estimate and just tell them like, Hey, something's out of whack here. You, you need to call somebody. So it's always interesting to get their perspective on, Hey, how did we get here? You know, what led you to call on a public adjuster? You know, um, one of the things, one of the sure. things I wrote down in the interview process is <laughs> here's a, a pro tip. This is super sophisticated. Everybody, I hope everybody's sitting down because it's going to blow your pants off, but slow down, slow down. You know, I, I, over time talking to hundreds of homeowners, 
I had a, a, a something crystallized for me a long time ago that was like, when I'm asking these simple questions, because I'm, you know, I'm interviewing them. I'm, it's part of my investigation, which we'll get into in round two. I just kind of, I'm just trying to wrap my arms around what the circumstances are. And something that dawned on me is a lot of what the homeowners have to say makes a lot of sense. Also, a lot of what it does. A lot of what they have to a lot of what they have to say, a lot of what they have to say doesn't make sense. And it's not because they're lying. It's just it doesn't make sense. And as you dig more into those things that aren't adding up for you, the picture becomes clear. But you gotta slow down to kind of get through that stuff. Anyway, yeah. The the a lot of times what they're saying makes a lot of sense. Their narrative makes sense. The things that they're claiming make sense. There's also a good portion of it that's going to feel dissonant, at least as they're saying it. And you're trying to like connect all these dots and like get through it and rush. And next thing you know, you got like a, you got a half-ass explanation of the loss and, and you know, so slow down. Do you think that's pretty sound, sound advice? Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I do. I, I, I really do. And it's and I don't want to go on this big whole rambling thing. But the point is, is that you need to have some boilerplate questions ready. And those boilerplate questions are going to be very, um, you know, related to kind of your process of claims handling. So I don't want to sit and criticize and tell you there are five simple things that you need to do when you're conducting an interview with an insured. I'm not saying that because your questions need to be directly related to your workflow and your process and your, you know, how, what, and, you know, very related to what comes next. Because, you know, as I interview a homeowner, you know, I always ask them, I was like, hey, how did you get here? Okay, a roofer told you to do that. That very well may be true. Let's go ahead and conduct an investigation and let's get some corroboration going here. You know what I mean? I'm not saying your roofer's wrong by any stretch of the imagination or they've had some experiential knowledge. Maybe they were just sitting in there and they heard, you know, hailstones hitting it. And so they filed the claim and now the insurance carrier has denied the claim or whatever. Now, that's a very common thing that I see here when there is damage present, you know, or they there's a lot of different ways that that we get to the point where we get involved, whether it's to, you know, a, a alternate dispute resolution kind of involvement, whether it's just a pure representation, I don't have time to deal with my insurance claim kind of involvement. And then it has a whole lot to do with maybe it was a referral and, and the last time they had a bad um, experience with a claim. So we just kind of want to get all of that history. You know, and, and there's a couple of questions that I make sure that I work in there is how did we get here? Have you ever filed a claim for this before? Have you ever filed a claim before? You know, and and tell me what you believe is damaged and what you think is going to be an equitable settlement. And I'm not talking about money because this ain't the price is right here. What this is, is what do you believe is damaged right. and what is it that you're wanting to claim? Right. And then I, you know, once I ask that question, my favorite question after that is, and what else? Right. And what that's else? Pretty good. That's and pretty good. and I can tell you, you know, and 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 it's amazing how long they will sit and talk to you about the and what else because they're really trying to to envision themselves in the situation of this loss and what this might mean to them, you know. And it's like, what else did you hear? What else happened? Oh, and my 
and I noticed that my trampoline blew over. What else happened? Well, and I think that there might be a leak in my closet. What else happened? And whatever the case may be, you know, whether it's, you know, a roofer came in and when he started looking, he showed me this leak. And so now I know that there's a lot of damage. And so these sort of things, and what would you want to see as a good resolution? What do you think is a fair and equitable settlement in your eyes? Because it doesn't really matter what I think. You know, I can tell you whether or not there's coverage for what you want to see happen. And I can tell you whether or not there's coverage, but I cannot define indemnity for you. And I think that that's the biggest reason I ask these questions is because I am trying to get their definition of what they believe made whole is. And I think that that's you know, what I'm really trying to gather out of the interview myself. I ran a preliminary interview uh, shameless plug MCS is growing. Um, and we're interviewing candidates like, you know, public adjusting candidates. And anyway, short story, I was on the phone with, um, a young lady yesterday and I actually, you know, I said that, I said that to her, that, that statement of, you know, I am a public adjuster that sort of has the mindset that at the end of the day, only a policyholder can define for themselves what indemnification is. Now, look, I know that people yell at me about this, but the idea of what they will be satisfied with is really interesting. And to tie it back into this thing, it's like, hey, what are you looking to get out of this? You know, what, what, what will make you happy? Because as a PA, one of the, one of the trickiest things for us to do is properly set expectations for someone that has gone through or that is currently going through an insurance, an insurance loss, right? As their first party advocate, one of the trickiest things for us to do is set expectations because we are literally, we're, we're paddling up a pond in our, in our little raft boat and, we don't have enough bubble gum and duct tape to plug all the holes in the known unknowns. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know how much the carrier's going to pay. We don't know if they're going to agree with us in the beginning. We don't know how much, you know, how you know how much are they going to fight us? So there's so there's so many there's so many more things we don't know than we do. And Yet one of the things that we can sort of find out at the beginning when we're interviewing a homeowner and and doing those having those preliminary conversations is to kind of get a rough idea of what their expectations are. What do they want? What do they think they want? And we can tailor the way that we set those expectations through, you know, sort of coordinating their answer with what we know to be the facts at the time. I think I kind of went around the barn to get to the hay there, sure. but I, I was, you know, I can't, I couldn't agree more with you when you said that like only homeowners can kind of decide, you know, what works for them or what doesn't. It doesn't mean that what they want is right or what they want or what they expect is owed or any of that, but. I think it's important to know what they're hoping for <laughs> on some level. So, well, and, and 
especially as it pertains to setting their proper expectations. You know, right. I mean, I've run into plenty of homeowners that have the same kind of floor downstairs as they do upstairs and think that it's all got to match <laughs> right. or whatever. And, and I don't even want to get in, but there is no place in me that believes that the carrier owes for that. There is some place where, where the carrier has drawn some very clear boundaries as it pertains to visual interruption, as it pertains to material changes, those sorts of things that I agree with. You know what I'm saying? It's like sure. people, I, and I'll just kind of give you an example of what I'm talking about. You have a white wall and you have a white casing around the door and you use the same color paint for both. Okay. I'm just giving an example here. I'm not talking about method and it's both, you know, you know, neutral white on the on the wall and neutral white on the casing. I'm still not a guy that thinks that you need to paint the casing just because they're both the same color. There is a material change. There's a different way the, the light hits it. Even though you paint them the same color, they're still going to have a nuance of difference that it creates a full-blown visual change and interruption. And so I am that I am that adjuster. Now, a lot of you may want to throw eggs at me the next time you see me because I feel that way, but I am telling you that I, by and large, think indemnity is achieved there. Do you know what I'm saying? But if you have a homeowner says, I just want the drywall fixed. I don't even care if they paint it. Well, who am I to argue with what she wants? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I can go ahead and get it. paint. Well, I'm going to paint the house next week anyway, and I just need the drywall fix. That's really all I need. Can insurance cover that? I mean, and and the thing is, is oddly enough in a scenario like that, insofar as coverage is available, we can answer that question, Right. If cover or or respond to that need or want, if coverage isn't available, we can accurately respond there as well. And the paradigm that that creates for us now we're getting into like expectation setting and stuff, but um, it's a big part of the initial interview and throughout the claim, for that matter. It really is. You know, I mean, it's just it's a theme. It's thematic throughout the entire claim process: setting and resetting and calibrating recalibrating expectations but like you know if coverage is readily available then we can reasonably explain how we get there possibly if coverage isn't readily available then that's an entirely different conversation but i think one of the takeaways here is that if you presume to know or presume to think you know what they want need or desire um it gets that gets tricky quick so um The, the, I, I guess just to kind of put a bow on this, Brent, it, it's really important that you have these conversations with your homeowners. And, you're, and, 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 and I would also like to add that the homeowner is, may not be the only one that you need to interview. If there's already a contractor involved, you definitely want to figure out kind of where he's headed and what he's thinking and what those expectations were with the homeowner, what he thinks as a professional contractor, um, you know, as he wants to see and what the repairs are and how you can you know, kind of go after that from a claim strategy standpoint. So these interviews are, are really, really important in how you unpack those and don't try to rush through them is yeah. my final thought on that. Make sure they get done. The next thing, you know, kind of moving in into round two is where we get into kind of how we conduct our investigation. And round two starts right after this. 
When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including three voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service in SEO, search engine optimization, where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E, Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E. And she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round two. Investigation. You got any bet? We've asked all the questions. <laughs> Good. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we've asked the questions. Yeah. We, we've, You've now asked- we're on site. <laughs> Now yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we got to prove it, okay? Because it doesn't matter what you think happened; it matters what you can prove happened. And so it requires us to kind of dig in and investigate, which is sort of the part of the claim that I really like. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where you can really get into the individual loss and what this thing's going to present. Where is where is the DNA marker going to be on this claim? How it separates it from every other thing you'll ever work again, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any, do you have any sort of like gut check habits? You know, you're getting on site kind of doesn't matter what type of, I mean, uh, context is key, but do you have any like sort of gut check habits that you do when you get on site that like almost without fail, you do it every time? Oh yeah, I certainly have a very detailed, you know, or detailed standard operating procedure as it pertains to the side investigation. Because remember, the one thing that does cross over here is kind of how I approach a loss in general from an investigative standpoint or an inspection standpoint. Um, I had that method pretty much drilled into me. So I mean, typically I'm roof elevations. I will go ahead and inspect the fence and other structures, but that doesn't pertain to 
um, but I only do the the exterior. But I'm very careful. I don't usually go to the other structures if it's like a barn or like a like a satellite office or something like that that's outside that kind of has its own living, breathing DNA out there by itself, like a, a bathroom, and it's kind of a full on, you know, like a fully functioning structure. You know, if it's a tool shed, sure, I'm going to stick my head in it, go ahead and get that done, snap my photos on that, get my documentation on that, then I go ahead and go inside. But if it's a full-blown structure where it's going to require an interior inspection and sketching and that kind of thing, I just leave it until till the end and I kind of finish my interior inspection. And I work, when I'm in the interior, I work from the origin of loss, you know, and uh, where the most manifested damage is, and I work out from there. And that's how I approach my inspection, making sure I get all those. And I try to keep, I try to stay in that order because it really helps when you go back and you're looking at your photos and labeling the photos as to what kind of story you're telling. When I'm at a port, I go to the right. Like it's yeah, always every always time, right. like every day you just work, you just work kind of counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. And that's how I work a house. I work, I work a roof and a house counterclockwise. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not right or wrong to do it clockwise. It's just how, it's, so how, it. it's how you can tell that you've, that you've been thorough and thorough and you've right. gotten everything. That's how, that's just how I do it. What about, I mean, is there, what is your thing? Uh, similar, very similar. Um, one of the, one of the differences is that you said that you like to document from the origin. So like on a, on a normal, like a water claim, I will still walk the exterior of the house. When I go in, I usually put my phone away and I, I will assuming the insured is home. Like I'll just put my phone away and it's like, all right, like show me what we're working with. And then we walk and talk and I'll ask questions and, and we walk around. Then when I want to start taking pictures, I go back to the front door and I overview every single room. And then I, that's when I start at the origin of the loss and I, and I work my way around. The reason why I do the overviews of every room um, is so that way, something I found you know, as you're aware of my background, I adjusted, essentially adjusted or whatever you want to call it, a lot of claims from the desk. And interior was always tricky because you have all these pictures that they were fucking everywhere. You know, I got a picture in the bedroom. I got a picture downstairs. I got a picture up in the attic. You know, you get the point. And so one thing that I started doing was like I wanted my first, you know, 30 to 50 pictures to literally static photos to literally provide a way for someone to walk through the house and I could explain something to someone through that photo progression. So that's kind of where that habit came from. Right. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. Right. So, you know, I'll get, I'll get every, every room overviews. And then as I'm going through and doing my overviews, if there's, damage that needs to be documented in a given room, it'll go from four overviews to then I've got my 50 or 60 or whatever living room photos. And then if I go into the next room, it might only be five if there's no damage and then so on and so forth. So as you're flipping through my pictures, you'll see kitchen, 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 no damage, living room, living room, living room, 
through 50 <laughs> damage with, you know, and then I annotate them because yeah. I Matterport everything too. But um, just from a, I guess that was a long winded thing. Can I stop you? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. Can I, can I, can I, can I have you kind of wind back to Matterport or whatever? How crucial do you feel like not Matterport? This is not a plug for Matterport. I'm talking about the right. element of being able to do a three dimensional scan um, as it pertains to either presentation or do you feel like it is useful to you outside of the proof of laws? It just helps you kind of stay familiar with it. Where do, where do you land on that line? So to speak. Um, I think it's critical. Um, again, it's not a plug to Matterport. There's similar, similar platforms out there. Um, but I think it's, I think it's critical. Um, if you're doing interior losses, some version of that, in my opinion, is it's really necessary. Um, one of the, so if we're talking interior pre-mit, post-mit, those Matterports are really important. Um, they've been the difference in the claim before. Um, in fact, I just settled a claim. I agree. I just settled a claim less than 60 days ago where, I mean, we were fighting tooth and nail that they were trying to deny things and I'll spare the details because we're not doing case studies right now. But the bottom line was that Matterport, I had probably seven or 800 static photos that were all timestamp, but it was the Matterport scans that, um, that did the trick. So again, without getting into too much detail, that would be my answer. Yeah. I think it's really important. I think it's tremendously valuable. That's Um, how you, you never miss a photo. Well, I just, as I mean, as a passive investigative tool, as opposed to a destructive, you know, investigative tool, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it is so good because it really preserves sort of, it preserves, um, a moment in time. It well, yeah. It obviously freezes a moment in time, and then it kind of keeps damage from perishing. It preserves sort of the evidence that you need at the time of the loss, or at least as soon as your involvement was in there, you could see those things, and it preserves those things. That's what I like about it. If you ever had a, if you ever needed a picture, your every picture you ever want is there. Sure, you do a screenshot. Right. So, I agree entirely with what both of you said the thing i would add is orientation so how many times have you been on a you know you're you're working through settling a claim and you have a particular line item that your static photo just doesn't capture the orientation of something the you know the orientation of the damage you know, you're walking up a staircase and you're trying to show the orientation of like a bump out in the ceiling as it relates to the stairwell ceiling and how that ties into the hallway, like shit like that. You can't capture, you can't capture all that in a static photo with a Matterport, the likelihood that you will be able to uh, illuminate the orientation of damage in some sort of weird or you know unique circumstance is a lot higher that's why i that's that's my that's my thing with matterport is the orientation i could have you know i've done roof claims where i've got 1500 or 2000 photos you know what's really interesting is if 
freaking uh, a drone that has video. You know what I mean? The orientation of things happening. Yeah. The Matterport is the closest that you're going to get. Right. Yep. Well, and and I would t- I would also say, Brett, you and I have worked claims together, and I'm going to go back to the Hurricane Laura claims that we worked. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. when we we had we were fortunate enough to have Matterports for the vast majority of those properties, and how we were able to look and see, and even then, I mean, it, at that point in time, was even sketch the losses. You know, having never yep. been there, I believe that we were able to work and 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 truly desk adjust those claims because of the yep. virtual experience that's there. And again, I use Matterport as a like a Kleenex term. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's there's other ones out there. Any of those, I just find those to be incredible tools. And I think if you're a public adjuster, especially, you really need to invest in tools to help you conduct your investigation. Otherwise, you're going to just sort of be offering information that is assumptive in nature. And like, I can't tell you how nice it is, is if I need a thermal photo I've got a thermal photo. If that's what you need to see and prove what I'm saying here, I can certainly do that. You know, and and tools really help you do that. And I would invest in the best ones you could. You ever you ever buy a piece of furniture from IKEA and the fucking Allen key isn't in the in the box and you don't own Allen keys? <laughs> It's one of those things where you can probably get the job you know, done you have without it. From the other yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah. You don't the the Allen key for for that piece of furniture isn't in the box, and you, like a ding dong, you threw all of your other ones away over the years. So <laughs> the the point is, you could probably get the job done without it, but the proper tools make it a hell of a lot easier. So there's my Allen key metaphor for today or an analogy for today. Um, what other, what other quick tips you got on your investigation? What what else is going through your mind? I got one that's burning a hole in my mouth. Oh, do you really go ahead and let it go? It's okay to tell the homeowner to leave you alone. I give them a job to do, Brent. Dude, it's yes. like I dude. give them I give them a little job to do. That's what I try to I do. I try to be nice, dude. Or you have them uh, initial walkthrough. Yeah, it's like so yes, that's that's yes, job. that's why I do that is part of the reason why I do that. It's like, all right, this is your opportunity to talk. And then I'm like, okay, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna disappear in your house for a while. Because like every time I don't do that, I leave and I'm and I end up pissed off. You know, I I was just there for 90 minutes. I felt like it was the longest meeting ever and I was so productive and I look at my pictures and I get immediately pissed off. So that's a pro tip. It's okay to tell the homeowner to leave you alone for a little while. Well, and Brent, that's so true. I mean, and I've even had those homeowners that want to follow you around. And I will tell you, sometimes you can't avoid it, but just be ready to go back out there and and 
that's why I love Matterport. So I don't have to go back out there and I can actually <laughs> entertain the homeowner while Donna's running around Matterport in a loss. You know, she's over there, you know, stepping over baby gates and lugging a tripod around and, and knocking over, you know, by myself for you, you know, for you <laughs> messing with farm animals and you know and i'm over there talking to the homeowner so how much you get for this thing you know and just entertain well the claim and this and the carrier and that you know and it's like we'll get a contractor in here and donna's you know fighting off a gorilla in the background (laughs) and you know but it's those those homeowners that want to if they they need to be entertained at some level and so just be prepared for that i am so thankful for a gentleman by the name of andrew sullins who does my exterior inspections for me um the guy is a wizard when it comes to exterior inspections and he probably is one come to interior inspection inspections but i just haven't worked one with him really yet but um, I am so thankful to have that guy. And man, just because you know how to do it, you know what I'm saying? And I can appreciate you doing that, but you got to kind of figure out the role that your, that your client wants, but it doesn't give you, um, you know, the latitude to give up on an investigation. And so you've got to get those done, whether you're using experts or whether you're doing them yourself. I always look for corroboration where I can find it. You know, you'll have... Um, You'll have you'll have stuff on the internet that will help corroborate your your thoughts and investigation, and then two heads are better than one. And then yes. experts, and uh, you know, on, you know, the experts are great. You know what? I, and I love when an expert is required. Like if it's mold or something like that, it's like this entire scope has just now been lifted off of my shoulders. Yes. I am so happy to work any mold claim anywhere. Because it's so taken off of my shoulders as to what has to be done, assuming that there's coverage. I don't have to argue this. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have to argue this. And those are those are always nice, and they're easy to kind of get your exhale um, and and get that deep cleansing breath while you go work a claim that's really not required you to to negotiate scope. That's handy. Donna Donna just said something that's so freaking true. Um, like two, the idea that two heads are better than one. I can't tell you how many times I've been on a loss. Um, and I just like, I, I have an understanding of what's going on, but like, I'm trying to identify a particular finish or material and I don't know what the heck it is. And, um, so my, my little pro tip on that is make sure you have some, some way whether it's facebook uh facebook calling or an app on your phone to like video chat with somebody because like jerry i can, I don't know how many times you've not i wouldn't even say save my ass but like it's just helpful if you're on site and you got a couple people that you can call and be like hey dude let me show you something and you can show it to them in real time like on facetime or whatever your phone uh, yeah like literally phone a friend like it's so yeah. helpful when you're out on site and you're you're just you're kind of racking your brain trying to figure something out to just be able to hop on a quick video call and show and, and you know and in my experience assuming you know one of my one of my people in my brain trust answer the phone or answer the call it's like you're on and off the phone in like 5 or 7 minutes you know like hey what is this or what do you, even if you just want a quick opinion what is this or what do you think about that this and let me show it to you okay great well, here's my opinion. All right, cool. That's what I was thinking. Like that's that's just another stupid sort of. That's, that's a reason. Reason. 
What's that? That's where something like company cam comes in handy because it's in real time. Oh, uh, yeah. You can send a picture yeah. and then look at it and yeah. immediately be able to say yes or no or whatever. Yeah, company cam is a great tool. Well, Brent and I, it is. Company cam is a fantastic tool. Yeah, that's one. And and based on its price, if you don't have it, that's just silly. Okay. Yes. Um, company cam. Company, cam, company is awesome. cam is the best ten dollars a month that I spend. I, I'd rather spend ten dollars on company cam than fucking Netflix. Okay. Like company cam is right. <laughs> exactly. Company cam is important. <laughs> What's owned in that, honey? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got this lost. Binge. <laughs> you ever see? Wait till you see these wood floors. <laughs> Adjust and chill. <laughs> Adjust and chill. That's, that's so. <laughs> are, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, we don't have Netflix. We have Company Cam, and you're welcome. Yeah, that's so. So uh, we kind of wrapped up the investigation there thing. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to get into what it's kind of like to negotiate because round three starts right after this. We're getting close. One of the most comprehensive claims clinic that's available. You are not going to believe the amount of information that we plan to impart to you in just one day. You're going to get six CE credits in Florida and in Texas. So this is such a huge opportunity. We're going to have John Wood, Chris Gravel, Todd Stern, Andrew Saul. I'm going to be there teaching on compliance specifically. And Jack Hanks is going to be there giving you three decades worth of knowledge when it comes to public adjusting. Don't miss your chance to be one of 100 people. Guys, the tickets aren't going to last long. I fully expect them to be gone in the next day or two. So now is the time to act. Don't delay. Don't think it's going to be available the day before. Act right now, and I will see you there. Round three. Negotiation. Oh, my. Well, I'll kick it off. Go, I'm glad. <laughs> if look, such dangerous subject. The the, the first, yeah, dude. The first, the, my one of the things that I try to do at the at the begin the beginning of my involvement. Again, I I speak under the pretense or pretext of not being the first call. So usually I run my interviews, my intake, preliminary inspection. And usually at some point while we're getting our claim packet put together, usually at some point yeah. I like to I like to call the adjuster and do the proverbial can you tell me your side of the story type of thing. And I like to, I mm-hmm. usually, not every single time, not, but I usually like to call, figure out who's assigned, get them on the phone, and it's the proverbial, like, take their temperature, let's do some butt sniffing, what's going on, what did you see, were you even the person that went out, like, it, it's the question you said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, how did we get here? <laughs> 
So I'll, I'll bounce it over to you. I mean, that's something I like to do. I find it helpful. Do you do that? I do. I do a version of that. Right. Is what I do. Um, often, often if I'm brought in to settle a dispute, then I know the first rattle out of the box, I've got to discredit the carrier's efforts up to this point. Cause basically I'm pushing them in a direction of essentially proving by their own confession. And that's the tricky part that they had not conducted a full and complete investigation. And so therefore, yeah, no, I, and, and so I'm, I'm all I'm, that's really kind of my motivation to get in there. And so if I can do that by basically cutting their legs off, you can't have an argument if you haven't studied the case. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I am going to win this argument just simply because I'm way more prepared than you are. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever tried to tell a vegan they were stupid? You know what I'm saying? They're going to tell you every murdered animal story. They're They're going to tell you every preservative that you eat and the enzyme and how it's going to cause your nostrils to turn inside out or something like that. And you know what they do to that chicken? You know, I don't know, but it's, it's like, delicious. even after they do that to that chicken, then meat and not yet. Yeah, it's like, look, I get it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, you know, I, I just, you know, when you get into the, when you get into um, and I actually lost my train of thought on, on why I was talking about vegans. <laughs> like you're not going to convince me. Like, yeah, it's, and then they have this argument of stuff, you know, and what I'm saying is, is getting into an argument where somebody's way more prepared to have the argument that vegans aren't stupid. Like they've studied this. They talk about vegans it. Vegans have been waiting to get in that argument yeah, every day. They're baiting you into the <laughs> argument with, uh, I'm vegan. You know, or whatever. And I love all you vegans out there. I'm really not talking about you. But I, you know, it's like, that's what I know that I am not prepared to go into an argument against a vegan because they are going to be way more prepared than I am. And that's the situation that I'm in with this desk adjuster right now. It's like, look, dude, I'm the vegan here and I'm about to tear you seven ways to Sunday and you're just not ready for this. And so, and I'm going and to. And I do CrossFit. So. <laughs> And I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last time. So there's all of that. And, and you're just not really ready to, to get into it with me, you know? And I can prove that the bagels are $189, you know? And it's like, I've done my work. I've done my research. And then even as it pertains to eliminating their, uh, their efforts, you know? And if you want to know how to do that, I do coach. But I'm not going to get into all of that right here, right now. And I do at your claims coach on Instagram. Yeah, at, at your at claims coach on Instagram. Shameless and, plug. Uh, at, so if you want, if you want coaching, I can get into that. But anyway, I what I'm what I'm driving at is you get in there and you start asking these desk adjusters questions, whether you're disqualifying them. And I use the ignorance card all the time. It's like I haven't had a chance to get a look at the policy. You haven't had a chance to send it to me. I just need to confirm some things. And then I go in and I walk them through sort of the relevant coverages as I see it on the loss. And then I get sort of their interpretation. Well, what do you think it means right here? 
And sometimes we explore some specific policy language. For example, you know, it says, oh, it says here that it wants us to collect bids and estimates. But I see here you wrote an estimate. Can you please explain to me what your goal was to write an estimate? And I've been over this in previous estimate in previous episodes. And I, what I'm what I'm driving at is when we have these interviews and we ask these questions and we get in there and you kind of like, OK, Brent, you know, even where you talked about you call the desk adjuster, what's your side of the story? You know, I, I really try to, you know, kind of ask my questions that appear to be more innocuous because when I've done, when I've asked the guy kind of what's your side of the story, he kind of try to, he tries to start pre-negotiating the claim, you know, or and talk about all of the arguments and all the places he feels already defensive. So my number one goal is to disarm their defensiveness. And if they don't have anything to defend at this point, then they, they tend to give you less bias information. And that was talking about running around the barn. I ran around the barn, came back around the other side, and then I found the hay. <laughs> no, I mean, I um, the I I don't disagree. You know, I, I say all the time there's there's different approaches to this stuff, and I feel like ours is very similar. With the differences being no less than the splitting of hairs, right? One of my goals is I want to know the disposition of said adjuster. It's because, again, adjusters change right. and you've got the field and you got the desk and you got this and you got that. And this manager looked at who knows, man. And so one of my sort of preliminary goals is to try to get the lay of the land from the perspective of the carrier. It doesn't mean that I give two flying you-know-whats, but it's interesting because much like asking a homeowner how we got to this point, it is interesting to hear an adjuster um, sort of spout off everything they think they know. And that the answer to that, I find it to be a very innocuous question. It's like, look, the homeowner hired me. You know, You know what I do for a living. So... You know, I'm not going to go into dick mode right away, generally. And, you know, I want them to show me their hand. I want to know what the hell is going on. I was the last guy invited to the party. I've talked to the homeowner. I've talked to their contractors. I've talked to the MIC company. I, I've read the engineer's report. Well, you're the last person that I've talked to because I was the last person to get invited. So here we are. You know what I mean? That It's sort of, right. Right. you know. I'm not going to get like too crazy with it. I want to know from your perspective. And even if it's some new person that was just assigned to a claim that was quote unquote closed, it's like, well, read me the freaking notes. Right. Yeah. What do you, what do you yeah. know about this? Yeah. <laughs> Have you opened it yet? Have you yeah. looked at it? And sometimes, sometimes through that exercise, I can, I can end up building some rapport with the adjuster and approach it more like, all right, well, that's cool. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to send you an email. It's going to have this, 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 and this with a bunch of supporting documentation. Can we schedule a call for how many days do you need? All right. Can we schedule a call for this coming Monday and kind of go through this and problem solve? And again, I'm not, I, the word negotiating is sort of misleading. It's the word that we use, but it's not always, it's not necessarily how I'm treating it. I'm not really there to negotiate per se, but unfortunately 
us getting our job done is sort of contingent upon having an adjuster that is either a willing to speak sensibly with us or B, uh, you know, they are not willing to speak sensibly, in which case we need to get them removed from the claim. So I don't necessarily like the Usually word negotiation. You, you realize that right away. Right. Exactly. Yes. I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I don't like it either. You know, what did you say, Donna? I said, usually you find out who you're dealing with pretty quickly. Yes. And so right. again, yes. that, that yes, yes, this yes. Per, sort of preliminary negotiating call strategy, whatever you want to call it. That's kind of the idea, you know, who am I work? Who, who am I going to be working with on this? What, what is How, what's their disposition? What kind of facts do they have in front of them? You know, there's a big difference between talking to an adjuster that went out, inspected it and wrote the initial estimate versus some, some desk adjuster that knows as much about the claim as the man on the moon, right? It, contextually there, there's just differences there. Um, so anyway, what else you got? What, what other stuff goes into your negotiation bucket that, you know, you find, well, you find I, this helpful. Is so- one of the well, do as much in writing as you possibly can. Yeah, I, that's what I, I'm going to say. Is that. make sure you you can. You know, I'm not saying that there isn't an, an occasion to get on the phone and talk with the desk adjuster. I do it because sometimes you can establish a really good rapport with them. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you can establish a fantastic rapport that that ends up working in your favor. You know what I'm saying? And I'm working a claim right now that I've got, that I've got a lot of really good rapport, a couple of different claims where the, where the me and the adjuster are kind of in lockstep on this thing. Not everything has got to be contentious. And I will tell you when they like you, they will listen to your explanation and it just sounds more plausible. You you know what I mean? You can kind of, build the rapport by asking him about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the claim. Like, where are you, where are you working out of? Oh, I'm working out of Baltimore. Oh, how about the Raven? You know, you can pretty much build, build a rapport just by simple conversation. Right. I, and, and it's, and I, and I usually try to do that even with the field, but I'm a pretty gregarious guy anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty smiley, shake hands. Let's have a good time. Let's laugh and joke, commiserate where we can. And, and let's be as, as friendly as we possibly can. And let's get this thing settled. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I, I can, but sometimes people are just looking for a fight. I'm never looking for a fight, you know, but sometimes people are just looking for a fight and that's what they want. They want. Learned, there's a phrase for that that we learned today. Yeah, it's called um, a negativity bias. Yes, it's a negativity Sarah bias. Sarah taught us about negativity bias. So it, you know, there was when they when you're dealing with a negativity bias, the best thing that you can do is 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 basically diffuse them by letting them know you understand where they're coming from. I completely understand how you got there. You know what I'm saying? I completely understand why you're coming from that direction. And but the problem is, is what we're not we're not looking at all of the pictures here. And so you can typically incorporate where they're coming from into your picture. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to it being just a complete and total juxtaposition and in 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 argument. But negotiating with these guys, I, I really think that you can do more in in the email inbox. You know what I'm saying? But when you do speak with them, 
you always want to write that follow-up email. And I actually learned this from Brent. Brent was way better at this than I ever was, is to write that follow-up email because it it is a record of memorialization, not just your file note, but it's a record of memorialization of what was discussed. And it and it implies an agreement there. Does it, it gives not the, legal it gives mind? A chance, yeah, it, it gives them it gives you a ch- them a chance to say, no, you're wrong. Right. It, yeah, this is no, that's this, not what we said. I just want to recap the email. And I, you know, look, Brent, have you ever gotten recap emails? I don't think I've ever gotten a recap email from an insurance company. I'm talking about in in business, just in general, in business. Thank you so much for having lunch with me today. Um, just to recap, kind of what we talked to. I'm just talking about a general in. in it's kind of like when you when you write your thank you letter after an interview. Yeah, it's it's sort of like like a recap. Just a, re- a recap. Most of the time, when I've gotten when recap emails have been sent to me, I just look at it. I thumb through it. Yeah, it seems pretty good, and I, and I let it go. You know what I'm saying? And I, by and large, feel like that that's probably what a lot of desk adjusters do. They look at it. There's no real new information here. Nothing actionable by me at this moment. I'm good to go. I'm going to move on to the next file that I have to work today, and we'll worry about this later. But it doesn't change the fact that it is a written record. That and they, an oppor- they received. And an opportunity. and To set the record straight. To set the record straight. So... Those written communications are huge. You know, you got to write it well, in the file anyway. Nothing wrong with a copy and paste. Yeah, dude. I mean, in conjunction with that, how many times you spend 15, 20, 30, however many minutes on the phone with an adjuster, you hang up, you're like, man, that was a great call. We're going to get this thing knocked out. And then, you know, a week goes by or a week and a half goes by and, and, the adjuster sends you some bullshit that looks nothing like what you discussed. And then you get on the phone with them and they had amnesia or you spend 30 minutes on the phone with them. They are like, all right, well I took it, you know, I got all the notes on my end, you know, some adjusters. Yep. I'm making sure I'm getting this noted. And then you hang up and three days later, you know, they go on fucking maternity leave and you got some new adjuster in there and you just, I can hear the voice of that adjuster on the phone going, well, I can appreciate that you talk to so-and-so, uh, but there's no note in here. So look, man, it's happened to me Maybe too many there times. Is. They're right now, but they important. Yeah. And if I didn't send that memorialization email or, you know, Nothing makes me happier than in a situation like that. Hey, it's no problem that John Smith is, um, you know, is out of the office for two weeks. Because um, if you look at the email I sent on the twelfth, it's pretty much spelled out. You know, it, that that thing there it, that I know everybody talks about it. Get it in writing, memorial. Everybody talks about it. Um, it it is. It can't be overstated though. It'll save you a lot of freaking time. That's true. So. Well, that concludes round three. We started off kind of crazy, but I think we landed it pretty well. Well, and so remember, you know, the claims process kind of, and, and what we were really wanting to address is kind of all of our efforts leading up to our submission to the carrier and then how we go about settling a claim. Um, by and large, guys, we're not attorneys. 
you know, don't try to be an attorney. I know that we have a propensity to want to argue what we believe is right and true. But remember this, just make your best efforts Get as much information as you can. Remember, you will all, your intelligence will always be measured by the questions you ask, never by the facts that you think you know. So, <clears throat> anyway, it has been a good one. Brent, you got any final words? No, that was fun. Um, if for those of you that make it to the end of the episode, you know, something that Jeremy and I strive <laughs> for is to... Uh, is to talk is to talk about the things that maybe you're thinking, you know, um, stuff that maybe crosses your mind. Maybe you don't learn anything from this episode, but maybe you get some validation on some things that are going through your mind or some things that you do that we do or, you know, what we're doing here isn't all about you know, telling people how to do the job or what the right or the wrong way is. Sometimes it's just talking about how we do it. And sometimes through doing that, we find out, Hey, um, that's a stupid ass habit. <laughs> Other times we're talking about it and we come to the conclusion that, Oh, you do that too. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, you know, <laughs> I think, uh, in a, that's what works for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sentence, um, you know, just keep in mind that some of these topics, as rudimentary as they are, um, these are things that we're thinking about and grappling with every day. And so we're trying to share that stuff with anyone that's listening. So that's it. Years and years later, we're still still yeah. talking about yeah. this stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Years, I, and, yeah. I, and I find it valuable. <laughs> yeah. I find it all valuable. I can't, I can't say that I don't. Well, guys. That's all the time that we have. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know in the comments below. If you didn't like what we said, please let us know in the comments below. We <laughs> encourage you, please, to click like and subscribe. And if you find somebody that might need to hear this, I encourage you to share it. But we will be back next week. In the meantime, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we will see you on the next one. Like the fire, slam a jammer. Yes, we're coming up, don't even try to diminish it. I won't start it, but I damn sure will finish it.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. <laughs>